0: Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the corruption detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Saturday Night Live Stream. Hope you guys out there in the chat are having a great day. It's been a uh, nice, relaxing one here in beautiful, sunny Florida. Got some yard work done. Got some other chores done around the house, and of course, I got ready for tonight's show. Tonight, I am scheduled to be joined by Amanda Mackey. She is a political strategist down here in Florida, previously a congressional candidate, currently a contributor at Newsmax. Reanimator. Good to see you. Amanda comes... From a family of Iranian immigrants, they escaped the brutal regime of the Shah during the transition to the mullahs and made their way here to America. And so we're going to be talking about the state of America. I'm often fascinated by those who escape persecution and the horrors of authoritarianism in other countries only to come here to find that basically it's the same exact thing so do me a favor sit back relax grab your popcorn good to see you erica freedom and we'll be right back after this Forget about Botox and microneedling because there is a much cheaper and more effective way to turn back time. And that's because one of the best ways to ensure your skin stays healthy looking and youthful as it possibly can has everything to do with your collagen production. And this is why I highly recommend taking and using collagen as an everyday regimen. You see, the brand I use has 10 tasty grams per serving of supercharged collagen to support your skin health. Plus, it's super easy to blend with any of your favorite drinks of choice, and it provides the most necessary types of collagen for skin elasticity, hydration, and youthfulness. And the best part is you can get some collagen today using my special link in the description below. You're going to also get 53% off, plus you're going to receive several free gifts with your order. Just go to my special website, healthwithredpill.com. Once again, that's healthwithredpill.com or just click the more button in the description below and it'll open up and take you right there. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Good evening. Welcome to the program, everyone. Thank you for being here. Uh, My my scheduled guest is actually not here just yet. I'm hoping that she's going to be here any moment. Uh, We have been attempting to do this interview for about a month or maybe even longer than that. There were a couple of different scheduling hiccups, and that happens. Uh, I I don't begrudge anybody uh, the right or the uh, the ability to need to change things around. I know it happens. It happens for me sometimes, too. So uh, we're just waiting for Amanda to get here. And while we're waiting for Amanda to get here, uh, I do have a couple of interesting stories that I wanted to speak about. Hopefully you had a chance to tune into the show yesterday because we had quite a good time here discussing the modern American folk legend of the one and only Donald John Trump. Uh, unfortunately for the deep state, they have created their own worst enemy. If they thought the American people were angry with them previously, well, then uh, they're really going to understand what that rage looks like now. And Donald Trump, he has essentially been backed into a corner. They have forced him to fight for his life. And in the same way a caged wolf is going to come at you when he's got nowhere to go but forward, Donald Trump is going to do the same thing. So they better hope that they completely destroy Donald Trump, kill him, remove him from the equation. Otherwise... They're going to have to deal with us and him. And here's the thing they will lose. They might have their ultimate objective to be the removal and destruction of Donald Trump, but that will never happen because Donald Trump has a secret weapon in his back pocket. And that, my friends, is you and me. We, the American people, we, the people of this great nation. See what's happening. We see the uh, the 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 suffering that's being caused by this current regime, and uh, we are not willing to sit idly by uh, and uh, allow it to happen. So we are with you, Mr. President. We will not allow the deep state to destroy you or to destroy our nation any further. Now, the biggest story that I have been attempting to talk about for the last two days, and it just I, I kept running out of time is the interview that Victor Shokin, the former uh, prosecutor in Ukraine who was investigating Hunter Biden and, of course, Burisma, uh, recently gave a number of interviews. And if you'll allow me just a moment, I'm going to go ahead and get that pulled up. So uh, while we're waiting for this to be pulled up, if you guys wouldn't mind— Please do me a favor. Help me out. Hit the like button. Uh, Also, you know, hit the red pill if you're on pill.net. Hit the share button as well. It really will sincerely help out the channel if you guys can help me get the word out about the program. Let me go ahead and get this uh, story pulled up. And actually, I think I might have it in my notes from yesterday. And, yeah, actually, where is it? Um, you know, I also kind of want to talk about Oliver Anthony because uh I've seen well, you know, I mean, since he came out, uh, people have been trying to tie him to one thing or another. You know, I think that his 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 music uh and that song resonated with so many people because it discussed fundamental truths. You know, the fact that the government is uh is abandoning us and subjugating us. Uh, the the rich men and women, the American oligarchs, they make decisions in their own best interests uh, that hurt the American people when they're supposed to be representing us. And I thought it was really ironic that the RNC played rich men north of Richmond at the RNC debate the other night because, I mean, what a, a better representation of those rich men and women who have basically done nothing since coming into power. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm favorable towards Ron DeSantis. I think he's done good things uh, for us down here in Florida. Um, but when you look at that slate of candidates that was on stage, it was essentially a, a, a who's who of establishment neocons. Uh, these were not people who have been champions of the middle class or the lower class. Uh, They've been champions for their lobbies. They've been champions for the people who pay for their campaigns. And so I thought it was really ironic that they chose to play his song. I mean, because it has struck a chord with middle America and with uh, people of all nationalities, people of all political spectrums, because, again, the things that he discussed are so fundamentally true. You, You can hear the emotion in his voice. I was moved to tears every time I listened to this guy's music. I mean, it really tugs at my heartstrings. And he never mentions anything about politics. That is so vitally important. I know that people heard him, you know, say something about Epstein Island. And so they figure, well, you know, he must be on exactly the same page as us, but he doesn't talk about politics. Uh, if you if you think about it, most musicians, unless they explicitly come out and say, hey, you know, I identify as a Republican, I'm a Trump supporter, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm right-wing, I'm conservative. It's pretty likely that they're probably going to be leaning to the left. Now, uh, Oliver Anthony... Uh, has not specified uh, what he is one way or the other. He's only stated uh, for both the right and the left that he doesn't want to be put into any specific category. So for the people who are saying that Oliver Anthony is, you know, he's a fake conservative, I I think that that's BS. I think that they tried to say that he was a conservative and that he, you know, agreed with us politically. Uh, And then for the people on the left, who are accusing him of uh, you know putting out racist dog whistles for the right, I think they're full of shit, too. They're all all full of shit. Uh, okay, so uh, my guest, Amanda, is actually on the line. We're going to go ahead and bring her in right now as we're waiting for her to arrive. Um, tell you what, we, we'll get into the Victor Shokin stuff a little bit later in the show. Uh, here we go. She is joining right now, but uh, let me just go ahead and jump on over here to the Rumble chat and to the Pilled.net chat. Um, Okay. Okay. Um I I only j- just now saw you in there and let you in. It's not connecting. Okay. Yeah. So she's okay. Now now you've disconnected. Probably didn't enter the meeting ID at the right time. Okay. So hopefully she'll be here any minute. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to go back to the uh, uh, the story about Victor Shokin. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and let's be honest. I, I think that uh, Oliver Anthony saying that uh, he, he doesn't like Democrats or Republicans. I mean, yeah, I tend to agree with him there uh, because the parties themselves are so utterly corrupt. They have abandoned the American people. Uh, they haven't done what they said they were going to do. Uh, they have essentially used us, pitted us against each other. And I think that the people who are trying to use Oliver Anthony's m- music— uh, to do that exact same thing are probably those same people. Uh, okay, so so yeah, I just think that it's a non-starter. You like the music or you don't like the music. Y- you don't need to to take it any further than that. Um, uh, like I've always said, I don't need people who you know uh, speak to me or who produce content that uh, that I like. I mean, in terms of like music and you know even other things, I don't need them to. Be my my clone, my political clone. Okay, so we are trying. We are trying to let Amanda in right now, and it still says that she's joining. That's so strange. I don't know why it's not working. Hmm. Wow. Um. I wonder if this is a problem with Zoom. What's the deal? There you go, Sterling. I I'm, I'm with you right there. I am a conservative, and the song is great. Exactly, frightening me. The song is great. Okay, so Amanda is unable to. Okay, let's try something new. I'm gonna make a new call. This one doesn't seem to be working. Okay, so let me go ahead and end this. And I really wonder why this call isn't working. Okay, so we're going to do a new meeting. Uh, Join with computer, audio, participants, invite, copy invitation. And, let's see, try this call info. Use that link. All right. Honey, it's not country, it's bluegrass. It's bluegrass. Okay. All right, well, while we're waiting for Amanda to try that one, let me see about actually getting this Victor Shokin story pulled up because Victor Shokin goes all out on Joe Biden. He tells the whole story, the whole sordid tale. Did you guys also see that there was a white supremacist that... uh shot up a, a dollar general in Jacksonville. Uh, I think that one's a fed plant. if I ever seen one? Victor Shokin. Daily Mail. There you go. Uh, there we are. Fired Ukrainian prosecutor Victor Shokin says Joe and Hunter Biden did take bribes, and they were behind his ousting. Obviously, we knew that. We've known that. Okay, yes, I will email it to you. Yes, okay. Hang on just a second. I need to email her. Why? No, this is not correct. What's going on here? wow wow what is what is going on here something something weird is happening guys let me just let me just say that bunch of weird stuff Amanda, Amanda, Maggie. okay sorry for the technical difficulties this was obviously not supposed to happen Okay, try that out, see about that one, okay. So while we're waiting to see if that one works into Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma, he said, I do not want to deal in unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. Uh, Apparently, he was interviewed on Fox News, and I guess the interview was broadcast earlier tonight. (laughs) This is so stupid. I can't believe they have all these commercials all over here. Ah, Okay. Let's just um Let me see if I can pull this one up and get it to work. Okay, that's so much better. All right, so this interview was supposed to air earlier tonight. Haven't obviously had a chance to watch it yet. Um, But uh, I would imagine Victor Shokin is going to say all of the things that we already know. Uh, One thing that I can tell you specifically that uh, I haven't heard him say before is that he feels his life is in danger because uh, obviously bringing this information to the forefront uh, puts him at a significant disadvantage. The president of the United States or the resident in chief uh, clearly would have a vested interest in ensuring that Victor Shokin just shut up went away, and uh, had never heard from him ever again. But he said, I have said repeatedly in my previous interviews that Poroshenko fired me at the insistence of then-Vice President Biden because I was investigating Burisma. And of course he did. I mean, it doesn't make any other logical sense. I cannot believe it when leftists look at this situation, when Joe Biden denies a $1 billion loan guarantee to the country of Ukraine, based solely on the presence of the man who is investigating his son and his son's company. If, say, Donald Trump sent Mike Pence to Ukraine and said, hey, fire this guy who's investigating Eric Trump, or we're not going to give you a billion dollars, they would be all over this story. That would be it. So Poroshenko understood, and so did Vice President Biden, that had I continued to oversee the Burisma investigation, we would have found the facts about the corrupt activities that they were engaging in, and that included both Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and others. And this is where he says that he does not want to breed in unproven facts. They were being bribed, and the fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in U.S. money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing— Isn't that alone a case of corruption? And wouldn't you know it, we actually have video footage from the interview. Let me play this clip for you.
1: I do not want to
0: deal in
2: unproven facts, but my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case.
0: I do not want to deal in
2: unproven facts. But my firm personal conviction is that, yes, this was the case. They were being bribed. The fact that Joe Biden gave away $1 billion in uh, U.S. uh, money in exchange for my dismissal, my firing, isn't that alone a case of corruption? I do not want to...
0: Uh, No, definitely. I I don't blame Victor Shokin at all. Okay. Looks like Amanda may be on the line again. We're going to try this one more time, see if it works. And lo and behold, God has smiled upon us today. Amanda Mackey, welcome to the program. How are you tonight, my friend?
3: (sighs) I'm good. How are you? Sorry for the delay.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's okay. It's no problem. You know, it's, uh, Not a big deal. Let me just get the proper screen pulled up. Okay, so as I said, thank you so much for being here. Sincerely appreciate it. I should have known that there would be a technical difficulty because we've had a couple (laughs) of false starts to the interview. But the important thing is that here you are, and I sincerely appreciate it. So I I, I take it you're on the road. I saw on Twitter that it looked like you were traveling.
3: Yes, I was in D.C. and uh, visiting, and I was doing some Newsmax hits. Right on. As well as uh, visiting with uh, folks. I worked in Washington for uh, about a decade and a half. So I uh, worked on Capitol Hill, worked in the Pentagon, and uh, worked for a law firm in, in Washington, D.C. So uh, just checking in with people and things like that. Right uh, but Newsmax has a new studio there. So we, uh, we did a couple hits
0: there. I saw a couple of those spots. Very, very cool. Uh, So uh, recently you had run for Congress. I think you've run uh, at least uh, uh, one other time before that. And you're notable because you are the first woman to qualify based upon a petition. Can can you uh, explain to us how that works? That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. So in the state of Florida, you're allowed to collect petitions instead of paying uh, a significant fee of about $10,000. And so... Um, if you get enough signatures, then you can uh, get on the ballot without having to pay. And so I was able to do that. I think I was the only candidate who was able to do that in that race. And so it was fun to do. It's a great way to meet people and certainly get your name out there. And once people sign a petition card for you, then you know, they're, they're kind of bought in. Exactly. Uh, um, and so, yep. And so we were very excited to be able to be the first to qualify. Uh, certainly the first woman in the state to qualify. And that was fun.
0: So, I mean, it seems so natural to me. I, I ran for city council back in Michigan in like 2021. And in order to get on the ballot, that's what we had to do. I had to walk to like every house in the ward. Uh, I was running against a two-time incumbent and so nobody knew me. Everybody Knew him and just getting to know people was uh, the way that I was, you know, gonna get elected, hopefully. But it's interesting to me that people can shortcut that process and instead just pay to get themselves on the ballot. I mean, what you did seems like the more natural thing. I mean, especially if you're truly going to be uh, representative in terms of your constituents, right?
3: Exactly. I would encourage everyone who. Uh, is in a state or a locality that doesn't require that to still do that. It's a great way to meet. That's what you should be doing. And so in Florida, they give you the option. Uh, They give you the option of being able to uh, pay for it. I think we have, you know, a lot of uh, weather related issues that sometimes can arise, uh, yeah. i.e. hurricanes. And so I think for those reasons, they probably say, okay, well, you know, they, it, it would be unfair if people were super close to getting that and then don't qualify, then there's no way that they have recourse to get sure. on the ballot. So they offer them that opportunity to, to pay. But um, really, there's nothing better than pounding the pavement, as they say, and getting out there and meeting people and um, you know, when people meet you, you know, unless they have a reason to dislike you, they're going to vote for the person that they know. Right. They're going to vote for the person that they've met before. So uh, that's just something that should be natural to any candidate. But you'd be surprised how many candidates sign up to run, in the case of what we're talking about, and they just don't really visit with people they don't meet with people they don't get to know what people are talking about and i think um, you and i are probably about the same age and i always think back to bush's debate in 1992 and when he uh, when would they asked him about do you know the cost of groceries mm-hmm. and he didn't and to me it's it's a little similar if you don't know what people are talking about if you don't know what Uh, is in their hearts and in their minds at that moment. It makes it very hard to be able to campaign and feel like they're relatable, you know, Um, especially in this district where I ran, which is St. Petersburg, uh, Pinellas County, just outside of Tampa. There's just a lot of elderly people, a lot of people that come here and retire. And I always say it's like, you know, the Midwest transplants. They worked in a ball bearing plant in the Midwest and got out of the frozen tundra and moved down here. They went down i 75 I've came to Florida and, you know, so you're, you know, at 40, at 44, which I was when I ran, it's like, I'm not at the same age. Then. So there aren't a lot of things that maybe are on the same level, but understanding what is on their minds. And when I ran, it was certainly the, the economy and yeah. the Biden economy that has been so
0: challenging for people, especially people on a fixed income. Uh, Certainly for people on a fixed income. But I I mean, the the issues that we are currently facing are so fundamental. I mean, there are universal truths uh, about quality of living and uh, and the same types of things that each of us face every single day. I mean, like you mentioned groceries, everybody's got to eat. Everybody needs transportation. Right now we're facing a a huge issue down here in Florida, which I'm sure you're aware as a homeowner. Uh, Insurance prices are out of control. You know, the insurance companies, we pay billions of dollars a year into these insurance companies. And the moment that they have to pay out on a natural disaster or something, you know, unforeseen happening, the only reason we have these policies, then they, they effectively price people out of the market, raising their rates to insane levels. Uh, solar panels, obviously, being down here in sunny Florida, many people were encouraged to get solar panels, especially by the current uh, regime in Washington, D.C. And uh, and they were very surprised to find out that only after they had a afford- $40,000, dollars $60,000 system installed on their home, uh, they were forced to get brand new insurance on their houses uh, in excess of a million dollars because the, the companies are too worried that these panels are now going to, I don't know, blow off or something. But it's really, really difficult right now for anybody to live a quality life because we're being priced out of everything. It's not just homeowners insurance. It's also car insurance. It's our groceries. It's our gas. uh, It's our medications. I mean, it's everything. So you said that you were surprised that uh, people running for office wouldn't know these things. I got to say, in today's world, I feel like we are are, are living in a, a society that 's very divided by class. You know we have the American oligarchy in washington d c uh, These people who sit in their ivory towers and by and large are completely removed from what life is like for us down here on the ground. The plebs that live outside of the rampart and uh, and that 's just how it is. I mean we don 't truly have the representation. That I think that we need, and it's a very sad situation.
3: I couldn't agree more. I mean, you touched on insurance. I think that's probably the biggest uh, cost driver for uh, people in Florida, because if you may have uh, heard. I think it was two weeks ago, farmer's insurance was the last to exit the market. We don't have the state farms and the Liberty Mutuals and those, we don't have them for property insurance. So you have, not only do you have where you have to buy flood insurance, but then you have obviously the casualty part of that. And then you have these fly-by-night insurance companies. Uh, We do have one state-backed insurance company, but just to tell you, uh, for my house, the the price for you know average house um, less than two thousand square feet, you're looking at about an eight thousand dollar policy. Yep. and you only have coverage up to a hundred thousand dollars. So it really does make it very challenging for your average uh, Floridian to be able to afford to live. When the insurance payment is almost equivalent to a mortgage payment for some people. And so really what's happened is with the interest rates compounding the problem, it's made it very challenging to be able to afford a house over three or $400,000 in Florida. Mm-hmm. Because what you were able to afford two years ago when interest rates were at 2%, now you're affording half of that. So it's made it very challenging For people in Florida, but you talk about groceries and your basic staples, the cost of everything has gone up under Joe Biden's administration. And the last we have seen, not only I drive a diesel, diesel prices have certainly gone up. The reason that I say that I drive a diesel is because it's trans. All those things where um, items, they're delivered on diesel trucks. And if those pri- if the price of diesel goes up, that means the cost of those products. So everyone hurts when the price of gas and diesel goes up. And then you have, of course, I think uh, meat has faced the highest of our the highest increase. And so these are things that people on a fixed income, they have to pay hundreds of dollars more than they're not necessarily getting in return their income in their uh, retirement. And so it, it just has made it very hard. And I think Florida has faced some of that because of the insurance crisis. It's made it very challenging. And I'll, there are a lot of people that I talk to when they tell me about their property insurance, if they have the ability, in other words, they don't have a mortgage, they go exposed. Uh, they don't have liability. Just all the insurance companies are going to...
0: Shoot. Uh, I thought that might happen. We were losing uh, Amanda there for a moment, and I was hoping that it would even out. But all, all right, she's back. Um, but we're just waiting for her audio to reconnect. Amanda, are you there? Sorry, sorry. Here,
3: it, it, I got it, back. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's okay. I it, you were you were cutting out there for a minute, so I was hoping that uh, it might even out. But you, you, it looks it, <laughs> it looks much be- better now. Go ahead, continue on. Oh, good.
3: Uh, no, so I was just saying that, you know, the with the price of everything going up, it's made it exponentially harder in Florida. And then there are a lot of people that go exposed and actually don't have insurance coverage, period. And if you look at what happened in Southwest Florida last year with uh, the hurricane and all the claims that weren't paid, now you're seeing um, a lot of people from the Fort Myers area that was hit the hardest. Yes. They are exiting the Fort Myers area because of um, not being able to afford their deductible to pay for the, the claims that they've sustained. And so what insurance companies do is they say, if you don't pay your deductible, we're not gonna pay the claim. So you have to go first. $10,000 deductible is very steep for a lot of people, especially right now. So say Florida's going through a, a pretty difficult situation right now, uh, certainly very different than the last three years that we've experienced just a huge boom. Uh, of people coming here. It's just become too cost prohibitive.
0: Well, and we have uh, certain factors that are making that even more difficult. You know, I I was looking for homes here in Florida for about a year before I uh, finally decided on something. But, you know, as I was looking, you know, I'm watching the prices gradually increase every single month. And uh, probably three or four times I went to put an offer in on a house and uh, somebody put a cash offer in instead, just a couple of thousand dollars more than me. You know, I we had a huge problem with BlackRock and Vanguard buying up residential properties. And uh, oftentimes they're not even reselling them. They're just sitting on them. They're driving the market higher and higher and higher. And so when you combine the the property prices increases and then, of course, you know, you have property tax increases that come with that. I mean, my taxes went up an incredible amount this year uh, on top of the insurance. I couldn't believe it. Uh, How do we reconcile that? How how do we fix that uh, from happening in the future, Amanda? Because I mean, if I feel like there's this concerted effort to punish Florida, in a manner of speaking. The powers that be—they uh, don't like the way mm-hmm. that we handled the the pandemic. Uh, they don't like the fact that uh, so many people came to Florida looking for freedom and liberty, and you know, to escape uh, mm-hmm. all of that stuff that uh, we we didn't like going on in the cities and the Democrat-controlled areas. Uh, and uh, and as as people move down here, they said, OK, you know what, if you're going to leave these other areas, we're going to make it as difficult as possible for you. So you have all of these factors that are pressing in on people. You know, what can we do to make sure that we don't destroy the ability for the average person to remain in this state?
3: Yeah, I and mean, that's such a tricky question because, you know, it's it's a macroeconomic issue, too. I mean, what's happening Uh, I think interest rates dominate what happens really with the housing market. So um, if people were looking to try to buy a house when they moved here, um, you're right. There were a lot of investors that were buying properties sight unseen. And so they were buying it up and then basically driving the cost of rentals up. uh, If you wanted to rent in that area, it just became that much more expensive because you couldn't afford to buy a house. So now the rental market, I think, is going to rally more and hopefully... Um, you know the prices will stabilize a little bit with the interest rates, but you're just you're just not seeing that. What you're seeing right now is a rush in the lower tier of houses, so two to three hundred thousand dollar homes or less, if you can find them uh, anywhere in Florida. Um, there there's so much demand for that. There is not the high demand for houses over three four hundred thousand dollars because. That mortgage payment just became double what it was, like I said, two years ago.
2: Yep.
3: So people are, you know, going to have to be forced into the rental market, of course. But I think this is more of a larger, broader interest rate issue. Um, not so much that Florida is, you know, different other than than the insurance and property taxes, which you're right about that. The property taxes went up, and so we get excited. Well, our property value appreciated. Uh, but in essence, what that means is you're paying more for your property tax. Yes. Uh, and so Florida does not have an income tax, which is very nice. So we just say, okay, we grin and bear it <laughs> when we have the uh, the property tax increase. But the reality is, is that that is also very expensive for people, mm-hmm. and it makes it unaffordable for people to continue to live in Florida. And so it it is. It's like a driver, uh, like a wedge that causes people to have to say, okay. I need to back up and go somewhere else. So I think the best person to ask is probably the person who works at a U-Haul store. uh, (laughs) Because every time I've gone in there and I ask them, I'm like, well, what are you seeing? What are the trends? And they're like, people are moving to Alabama or Georgia. So they can stay close enough to Florida if they really desire to be close to Florida, but just getting outside of Florida so that they don't have the, you know, whether it's the insurance, the property, um, the hurricanes, Uh, And then they, uh, you know, they can, they can more affordably live. Well, (laughs) but you're right. You make a good point about the, about being punished. Certainly we were punished for being open, staying open, opening up our schools within two months of COVID. Uh, I remember campaigning right after that. And it was like, life was just going on. Mm -hmm. The problem that we faced was that the federal government was giving people money to stay at home. Right. And so you have a huge state that relies on tourism and you have no one going to work. So, you know, I I was staying in hotels as I was campaigning throughout the state and it's like, there's no, there's no services. There's no one cleaning rooms. If Mm -hmm. you want to stay in this hotel, the room's not going to be clean and it's not going to be cleaned afterwards. That's just how it was. And so that was really the, the thing that I think was making it so difficult for our tourism to get back on its feet was that you didn't have people going back to work. And if you rely on, you know, tourism for the bulk of your receipts for the state, that makes it very challenging when you don't have restaurant workers, you don't have hotel workers. It was, it was definitely a challenge. But Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, did a great job of keeping the state open, getting kids back to school, um, and, you know, fulfilling the mission that we are not closed for business like every other state was. And he was right on the mark on that.
0: Certainly, certainly, it's one of the reasons I chose to move to Florida. I I, I saw what was going on. I was living in Michigan, and uh, and so I escaped uh, essentially a, a communist hellhole, as far as I'm concerned, to come down here. It's a, a very <laughs> different circumstance. My fiance is from Ohio, and so we were living in both states. Ohio was very different from Michigan. You know, in, in Michigan, uh, it, where I lived, it was a college town, and so like everybody was masked up all the time. They would get you know twitchy if you got within six feet. It was. You know, the, the the arrows on the floor with the feet so that you knew exactly where to stand. It, it was uh, very, yeah. very dystopian. So, you know, hanging out in Ohio as much as we did, I certainly appreciated it. But I knew that we wanted to get down here because I knew that this housing thing was going to just get out of control. I, I said to my family, I said, if I don't buy a house right now, then I won't be able to move to Florida because very quickly those properties that I could previously afford are no longer going to be in my uh, my budget. And, you know, I even with uh, the the increase in the insurance and the property taxes, I mean, it's it's been a significant hit. I mean, my 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 mortgage went up, uh, you know, definitely I I feel it, but it's not enough that it would uh, force me to leave the state. And, you know, my heart goes out to anybody who is in that position, especially those in Fort Myers and the areas where they're just not going to be able to build again. You know, I mean, even if they were going to have their 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 uh, claims paid out by the insurance companies, you know, I mean, how much is it now going to cost to build a similar home? You know, and even in the area where the home was previously situated, I mean, I I would imagine that, uh, you know, probably code is very different. Uh, You know, raw materials are just out of control. I, I mean, I'm at Home Depot all the time, so I see just how much it is. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I don't think it would be possible for any of those people to even necessarily uh, get back what they lost. Uh, but, you know, I, w- what about the issue with Blank? Well,
3: if you think about it, how yeah. much does the cost of a, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, what about the, I was going to say, what about the You know, cost of like a roof, for example, um, a friend of mine who lives in Port Charlotte, um, they got hit by the hurricane, not as bad as, uh, as uh, Fort Myers, but, uh, for them to put a new roof, it was an eighty thousand dollar roof, and yes. they had, like I said, you know, ten thousand dollar deductible. So it's very, it's a very significant cost. That if people can't incur that cost, and you don't have a roof, you don't have a house to live in, mm-hmm. and they just abandon the houses. So yeah. it's just gonna, you're gonna hear more and more about this and how how bad it has become. But one thing I wanted to point out about the movement to Florida or you know wherever outside of michigan or these other places like washington dc for example is the crime the high crime Yep. Uh, i don't know what it's like in michigan i can tell you having grown up uh in just outside of washington dc and you know having worked there and everything it is a totally different environment the law firm that i worked on was on 16th street Now that is called Black Lives Matter Street. Yes. Um, It's just, the town is just different. And you don't feel safe walking from one place to another. Um, In a community in Capitol Hill where the homes on average are north of a million dollars. A month ago, you had an Afghan interpreter driving Lyft. He had four young men in his car and it was all caught on a, a ring camera. Um, basically you see the kids exit the car, you hear a gunshot to the head and the kids disperse. Wow. And this is in one of the nicest parts of Capitol Hill. A 30 year old Lyft driver was killed. And I don't even know for what, mm-hmm. maybe his wallet. He's a Lyft driver. They, he doesn't exchange cash. So it, it's just these types of things that scare people about living in the city um, and this is where the mass exodus also happened to where they come to Florida. And, you know, Florida as you know, and it's probably one of the reasons you moved is it's a state where laws are laws are adhered to. Yes. Laws are followed through. And in D.C., you don't have that anymore. Um, you just you just don't see that. And, you know, Governor DeSantis, who's fired two DAs for not applying the laws, Mm -hmm. has basically said I'm firing you guys because you're not following through on laws that have been set by the state. We're a law and order state, and that's very appealing to a lot of people. Um, It should be. And when you see what's happening, the crime rates in Detroit and Chicago and other major cities, it's enough for people to say, I want to protect my family. I don't want to be here, and I'm willing to move wherever I have to. Uh, in order to keep my family safe, or to be able to defend my family if I need to, which of course in Washington D.C. they make it very, very difficult to get a permit uh, to, you know, conceal and carry.
0: No, absolutely. That was certainly a consideration, and it's very refreshing when you hear the uh, uh, the county sheriff's suggesting that people should protect themselves, protect their families. Uh, I'm reminded of an incident that just recently took place in Michigan. A gentleman who was in a convenience store witnessed an armed robbery taking place. He had a concealed carry permit. He drew on the robber, shot him like six times in the the face and the arm in the side. The guy lived. But the prosecutors are talking about charging this man, you know? I mean, he saved a life. He stopped uh, a, an armed robbery from taking place. Or you think about uh, uh, the bodega owner in uh, in New York City, Alvin Bragg, corrupt yeah. district attorney Alvin Bragg, uh, moving to file uh, manslaughter charges against that guy. And, you know, he ended up taking off and going back to the Dominican Republic. I think they dropped the charges. But— Heck, I wouldn't want to stick around either if it was a matter of maybe spending the rest of my life in prison because I stopped myself from being murdered. You know, these things, uh, the the, the state of law and order in these Democrat-controlled areas across America, all these major cities, you know, whether it's Detroit, D.C., Seattle, Portland, uh, you know, anywhere in California, outside of Orange County, you know, all of these places, it's uh, it's horrible. And uh, doesn't Jacksonville have a Democrat mayor right now? Yeah, I'm I I I feel like I just uh... They do for the first time. Yes.
3: Yep, for the first time they do. So they were the largest city in America with a Republican mayor up until um earlier this year so uh, unfortunately that that did happen. Yep. Um in Jacksonville, but um and you know certainly the mayors in St. Petersburg and Tampa and Orlando, they're they're all Democrats and so Um, I think to your point, though, you know, being able to protect yourself, um, I was visiting with a uh, former uh, Tampa PD, and he was saying we were kind of just the conversation was that the split second decision that you have to make as a police officer of whether you protect your own life or potentially spend the rest of your life in prison. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing that and certainly there are bad actors, you know, you, you see them all around. Uh, that police that uh, certainly engage in brutality. But for the, for the bulk of officers, police officers and deputy sheriffs who are out there every day uh, defending and protecting us, um, it does make it very difficult to see how a career in law enforcement is appealing to anyone anymore. Yeah. Um, and when you talk to people who are in law enforcement, they're not encouraging their sons and daughters to get into law enforcement. They're not. Uh, But in Florida, you know, we we do we protect uh, our law enforcement officials. We do. And so when there's law and order, there's a greater likelihood that you have police officers that are going to want to do the job because they know that there's going to be a government that's going to defend them and laws that are going to protect them. Uh, But in places like Minnesota that we've seen in New York and, you know, certainly I can't remember the Marines name, but the Marine in New York who tried to you know, protect everyone who was on the train that day. I mean, look at what he's having to endure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thankfully they're they they they're able to get some funds to be able to pay for their attorneys. But I mean, this is something that no person should be dragged into when they're just trying to protect themselves or protect those around them. They may not know. I mean, he certainly didn't know anyone on that train, but he thought this is important to, um, you know, make sure that I take this guy down because he's doing things that could lead to something more, serious. And a lot of people on that train that day in New York were concerned and scared, but that doesn't matter because it's Uh, A black victim and a white assailant. And that's very unfortunate that we have to see this in America today.
0: And you you know, what's most egregious about that is that there were two other gentlemen who were helping that Marine hold that guy down. I mean, he wasn't alone. He also wasn't intending to do bodily harm. He had him in a chokehold. You know, I mean, it's reasonable for that kind of behavior, I think. What else is really egregious about it is that just a short, time after that, maybe a couple of days, uh, there was a black gentleman who ended up defending himself and his girlfriend on the subway. There was some violent homeless man, uh, much in the same uh, uh, respect as the case that we just mentioned, uh, except when he defended himself and his girlfriend, he had a knife and he stabbed this dude and killed him. And, you know, I, I feel like you know, there's there's just there's an escalation in, uh, in the action right there. You know, I mean, uh, keeping somebody in a headlock so they don't go ape on everybody in a in in a subway, and then just, you know, just stabbing a dude in the chest. It's just, I don't know, I, I I feel like there's a little bit of a difference there. But he was initially charged, and then those charges were very quickly dismissed. Both uh, cases, well, I think there were actually two different jurisdictions. One was Manhattan, and then one was Brooklyn. But still, it's, it's in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, as you said, I mean, because this yeah. gentleman is white, because he's a, a military man, likely they're making sure that he actually has to face those charges. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, another big problem that I think a lot of people see is the the weaponization of the Justice Department. Certainly, we see it against uh, law enforcement officers who who are doing their job. Uh, We see it against Good Samaritans. We see it right now against President Trump. I mean, it's ubiquitous all across America. This regime is using the power, the might, the money of the federal government to come down on people who have a difference of opinion and ideological diversity of opinions because that's simply not allowed anymore. And this kind of brings me to one of the things I wanted to make sure that we discuss tonight. Uh the the kind of overall direction that the United States is going. You and your family emigrated here from Iran uh at the tail end I would imagine of of the the Shah's rule and as the mullahs were coming in. Can Can you explain that story to us? Because I find it fascinating when people escape authoritarian regimes to come to United States of America, the best country on earth, only to watch it slip into an authoritarian regime. How ironic.
3: Yeah, how ironic, right? So uh, we did, we, we escaped in 1979, so the chronology there for your listeners, your viewers, is that Um, The Shah was basically exiled January 15th of 1979, and the Ayatollah was installed in place February 1st, 1979. So when people say socialism can't happen, you know, it's it's like, yeah, no, regime changes can happen in two weeks. Mm -hmm. They certainly did happen in, in Iran. And so you went from a monarchy, a king and a queen, to a theocracy, one of only six theocracies in the world, Uh, where you have a religious leader who basically sets the laws and is the supreme commander of that country. And so uh, my father was very politically active, and he was leading live demonstrations in support of the Shah, when there were lots of demonstrations on the streets of Tehran. And uh, he was also in medical school at the time. And so uh, as soon as the regime change happened, he knew that he would be executed. I mean, that's just the way that it works. And all the top brass of the Shah's regime, they were all executed if they didn't flee. Um, And so my father being, you know, 25 years old at the time, and so he was young, he was certainly younger. um, And being in medical school, they, uh, they immediately uh, kicked him out of medical school because he had been vocal uh, about the Ayatollah. And now the Ayatollah was the supreme leader of the country. And Mm. so he was trying to figure out what do I do? You know, I have a, I have a baby. Um, I was, you know, 10 months old at the time. And then, um, and then my mom and you know, he was married with a baby and just thinking, what do I do? And he just thought, well, I'm going to keep a gun in my car, because if they get me and take me to prison, they're going to torture me, and then they're going to kill me. So Mm -hmm. they could torture me for years. But I'll just, you know, have a gun so that I can do the job myself and not have to, you know, even endure that. So that's like the, the way that people thought because of this very scary regime that came into place and installed uh, Islamic uh, law in in the country. And and so um, my father, my mother and I, we escaped when I was 11 months old, we came to the United States and and we came the legal way. We sought political asylum. I always tell people my father, um, you know, came here, my mom uh, worked menial jobs to put my father through school so he could finish his medical school. He finished at Georgetown. And so that's why we lived in Washington, D.C., and he finished at Georgetown, and then he went on to have a very successful um, practice. He's a ear, nose, and throat physician. And really, that's like the American dream story. Amen. You know, you come to America, you work hard, you contribute, you give back. Um, and that's what they did, and they had nothing. They never asked for anything. They never said, okay, we're here. We need you to give us money. We need food stamps. And they, they, they never did that, despite the fact that they certainly could have qualified. They just worked. They worked, worked, worked. worked. And um, I just remember, you know, how hard my father was working. He was working so many different, he had offices, he was working at the hospital. He was just trying to make money so he could have that American dream. And, you know, within four years of us arriving in the United States, he was a surgeon. He was practicing. We lived in one of the nicest communities just outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland suburbs. Um, and, you know, we we went on to have, uh, you know, very successful lives because, in America, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. The sky's the limit. No one's going to stop you. But you do see a little bit of that kind of not happening anymore. Yep. You know, you, you see this generation not really interested in working hard, the productivity, the attitude. Um, you know, when my father worked, he was just glad to be here. He was glad to make money. He was glad that no one was stopping him from making money. He was glad that the government wasn't taking the majority of his money. And now you just see this um, new generation of people that think you should share your money with the government. And I don't want to work more than 10 months out of the year and things like that that are just very different than the way that it was, you know, back 40 years ago. Um, So the generation that you see now is just it's 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 very it's very. it makes a lot of Americans insecure to mm. see where America is headed Certainly, with this generation of the next, you know, workers and healthcare workers. These are going to be the next group of doctors and nurses and lawyers and people that we rely on. And um, it's just very different generationally, but my family and I coming here and living that American dream um, we waited our turn. And I always remind people like my father worked for 15 years before he was afforded an opportunity at citizenship. My mother the same, and so literally we got here in 1979, and they weren't um, citizens until 1993. That's wow. how long it took. But they waited their turn, and you know they they contributed back every you know day of their lives that they were here. They contributed back compare that to what we see at our Southern border, for example, mm-hmm. and where we say, well, we got to pay you because we separated you from your child. Well, if they didn't break the law in the first place, there would be no separation of the child. Yeah. Why are we paying them for that? Um, and you see all these examples of people saying, well, we're just going to go through the border, we're going to come here, and then they're not going to prosecute us, they're never going to find us. Um, this is all you know, the weaponization of the DOJ is one matter. And then the lack of in law enforcement, when it comes to our border, is another. And so that, to me, is really what's changed the, uh, the dynamics of this country, is that people were law-abiding, they waited, and now it's no longer that. It's, well, you're of a certain race or a certain color, and we want to change the demographics of the United States, whether it's for voting in the future, um, whatever it might be, they think that that uh changing the demographics of the voters is going to make them be more favorable to democrats. This is my opinion. No, it's it's true. gonna make them more favorable to Democrats. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. No, you you're... I went to the right on.
3: I, I went to the I went to the southern border uh two years ago and it was in Luna County, New Mexico, um, just outside of El Paso. And you know, El Paso is fortified and you know you have like you know, fence and everything like that. But you go to these more rural parts of our border and the material that President Bush, uh, President President Trump had purchased, um, it was all sitting there. Mm -hmm. All the pieces that would have completed the wall were all sitting there. And Joe Biden had put a complete stop to it. So the wall couldn't be built. It couldn't be completed, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so you have all this wall that's built and you think, okay, this would actually secure our border. It would. And instead you have a huge gap because The materials sitting right there, all procured by taxpayer dollars, Mm -hmm. uh, is now sitting there and just rusting.
0: Well, it's it's also being sold off for pennies on the dollar now. By Joe Biden, you know. So uh, one of the things that I think really upsets people is exactly what you said, this, you know, shifting dynamic that they're trying to institute here in the United States. You know, the average person is not taken care of by the government in the same way that someone who comes here illegally is. You know, you come here as, uh, you know, somebody coming through the border, you're going to get like twenty two hundred dollars a month. And, uh, you know, then the average uh, person who is collecting Social Security what is it? You know, you get between seven and maybe $1,400 a month if you're lucky. You know, you worked your whole life, you did everything exactly the way you're supposed to, and it, you don't get anything. But then people come here illegally, flaunt the laws, do whatever they want, and they're being rewarded for it. And then when they use our money for something like the the border wall, the, the pieces that they never used, uh, then they're they're basically flushing that money down the toilet, any of that value that we had in there. And it basically tells us that we're nothing. Look at what Joe Biden just did in Hawaii. The, the residents of Lahaina, they're going to receive $700 per household. Uh, I mean, you know, good luck. I, a lot of those people are just dead. They're not going to be collecting anything. But we've sent however many billions of dollars to Ukraine. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry to interrupt, but
3: <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's it's true. Uh, the policies just don't add up. And I think that's why you see um, when you look at the poll numbers where President Trump's numbers are just so off the charts uh, as compared to his Republican counterparts that they remember, they're reminded of what, how good we had it. Um, as opposed to what we've had under Joe Biden's administration and Kamala Harris. I mean, Amen. it has been disastrous. I mean, she's, the border are, she's the person who's supposed to have, you know, uh, done something to keep the border safe. She clearly hasn't done that. I don't think she's been to the border once. No. I know she went to El Paso once, but I, I mean, that doesn't, that's, you know. Um, and so, you know, you have Mayorkas who, I mean, he should be fired. I don't know why he's still there you have all this incompetence in this administration. And you look at the Trump administration and you can say what you want about President Trump. You know, no one, you know, signed up to, you know, say he was going to be, you know, Boy Scout of the Year. He's he's a president who ruled with an iron fist. He was tough, but he did not play the political games. He did what he thought was right. And I think that's where you had a lot of independence. Um, certainly, I... Talk to a lot of Democrats who thought, well, you know, I like him because he calls it like it is. Exactly. Um, he'll say what's on his mind and he's thinking what I'm thinking, but he can actually say it and do something about it, but I can't, mm-hmm. I can never say those things because I'll get fired. Yeah. I'll get punished. Um, and so really what he was able to do for a lot of people was very significant. Mm-hmm. And I think people keep hearkening back to, how good it was, and where we are today when gas prices were at $2, and <laughs> now yeah. we're at uh, 3 and $4. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of things that people are nostalgic for is why they're thinking Donald Trump would be the best person to be president, certainly on the Republican side. Sure. Um, and, and so you think about these things, he was trying to secure the border. For a lot of Americans, Republican or Democrat, that is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. It comes back to safety. It comes back to the security, the homeland security of our country, which certainly the Secretary of Homeland Security is not
0: doing a damn thing about. No, it's an oxymoron at this point. Um, Real quick over here on Rumble, Freight Awakening says, hi, Amanda, just curious. When do you do spots on Newsmax, and do they ever give instructions on what you can't talk about? They give me a Fox vibe sometimes in terms of taboo topics, especially after this Dominion thing. Yes, and I actually saw that uh, uh, Newsmax was just added to Smartmatics lawsuit uh, about uh, election fraud. Clearly, These companies that may be engaging in practices that, uh, you know, allow for types of fraud to take place. They don't want any of the news channels out there talking about it because that's bad for business. But uh, any comment on Fredo's uh, observation?
3: Uh, Hi, Fredo. Uh, So uh, they don't ever limit me or censor me in any way from talking about anything. So they have never once said this is off limits or anything like that. So they've been very, uh, very open uh, with whatever I want to talk about and bring up. Uh, so typically, I'm on every Thursday at 1115. So they, they have a legal, they, they have a legal case they present, and I take one side of the issue. Uh, and then I'm usually on three to four times during the week. So it's just at different times on different uh, segments of the show. So I was, uh, I was on, like I said, when I was in Washington, I was on uh, a couple of times. And so anyway, I can't, I can't say, but I, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram I post it there, and so you'll be able to know what I'm going to be on.
0: You're also on Twitter at Amanda Mackey, M-A-K-K-I. That link is actually, I believe in the description of this video. Yes. Um, and uh, a couple so, more. So at
3: Amanda Mackey. Yes.
0: No, continue, continue. I, we have a slight delay between us, so don't yes. worry.
3: <laughs> okay, okay. So, yes, Twitter is at Amanda Mackey. Instagram is uh, at Amanda Mackey. And then uh, my Facebook is Amanda Mackey for Congress. And okay. And you can um, see where when I will be on. I always post it beforehand.
0: Right on. A uh, couple of thank yous over here on Pilled.net. Thank you thank you to Polly9363, dropping some shades. One, two, three, SKG, Sean Joe, Sean Joe, and Sean Joe, all dropping cookies. Thank you very much for those donations. Nikaz808 says, Aloha. Great show as usual. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, FilterDog1 says, Mahalo. So thank you very much for that as well. Uh, So, uh, uh, Amanda. Uh, Any thoughts on uh, the current situation taking place in Maui? Uh, There has been a lockdown on journalists. Uh, There's been a lockdown on residents. Uh, People are being told that they can't post photos and videos. Obviously, the infrastructure has been completely decimated. People are unable to share things on social media, and only at at certain times of the day when they gain access to Wi-Fi are they able to get uh, information out. Uh, But clearly, Joe Biden missed the mark on his response to this disaster. I think, you know, whatever you think about how it began, uh, you know, once you have a a terrible uh, incident like that take place, I I mean, there's only one thing that matters, and that's how you respond to it. Again, I go back to the the $100 billion that we've given to Ukraine and the slap in the face, seven hundred billion. Her household to the people of Lahaina, I mean, you know, what, what, what's your estimation of the uh, situation there? It's just horrible.
3: I mean, I can't believe that, you know, 70% plus of the population of Hawaii votes Democrat. I think I mean, that they, might be the last time. They, <laughs> I, I, I sure hope so. Yeah. I mean, really, you have a president who is sitting on a beach in Delaware, enjoying his time at Rehoboth Beach, (laughs) and they ask him about it, and he says no comment. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing more offensive to me than how he has treated the people of Hawaii. And it's so uh, insulting to the people who continue to vote for Democrats, and then they see a Democrat president who literally just doesn't care. Mm -hmm. I've always thought and suspected that former President uh, Barack Obama uh, controls the the puppet strings of Joe Biden, Uh, certainly a lot of his administration is his, uh, his staff is in Joe Biden's administration. Um, Barack Obama claimed Hawaii as home. Mm -hmm. He's the only president who ever did. Mm -hmm. And yet they're not doing anything, anything outwardly, in my opinion, to help the people. I mean, United Airlines, in my opinion, has done more by sending uh, you know, empty planes down there to get people out of the situation. But why did it take so long for so much to happen? I mean, it was like they just completely ignored it, like as if like that's not that's not our problem yet. It is. And so, you know, having the National Guard and, you know, activating that and different things that the federal government could have done and didn't. Yet, when you look at how they treated George W. Bush, for example, you know, when mm-hmm. he said, oh, you're doing a great job, Brownie, you know, when he was talking about his FEMA director yep. or the things that he did. I mean, they pilloried the guy. They destroyed George W. and his administration. And yet the Democrats have nothing to say. I I, I think it is just so incredible when I saw uh, Karen, um, Pierre uh, Jean, Karen Pierre Jean, uh, her, uh, I'm sorry, the the president's press secretary on. And she was, she got both the Hawaii senators names wrong. She got one of them, who's a female, she got her gender wrong. It's like, do you guys even consider this part of the United States? Because the way they're acting, they're completely like hands off. They are completely like wash themselves clean of anything they have to do. Making it solely up to the state, and I realized that the infrastructure in the state did crumble, and what happened, and the people that were in in charge screwed up. But you're the president of the United States, and there is a calamity on your hands, and you're ignoring it.
0: No, and abs- I think abs- it's
3: political. If it were Florida, it'd be totally different. He'd be he'd be right there, right? But it's not Florida. It's Hawaii, reliably Democrat. So why should he care?
0: Wow. I mean that that's that's uh, and actually uh, a, a a pretty. On take, I think, because uh, he, I think that they definitely take Hawaii for, for granted. They just assume that it's going to continue to fall in their category every single time. Uh, but uh, I really do feel that the choices that they've made, the way they've treated these people, uh, I think – well, first of all, I, I think that there is an, in, in, there is an intentional effort – to get rid of the history of the Kingdom of Hawaii, which was largely contained there in Lahaina, and also to remove those people, uh, who, because it's prime real estate. You know, I mean, like uh, th- they want that. Let's let's be honest. I mean, these these elites in Washington D.C. that are telling us that we got to stop breathing because we're you know uh, increasing the temperature of the planet they are themselves uh, completely oblivious, apparently, to the rising sea levels because they continue to buy properties right on the beaches uh, in all of the prime spots. So I think that they would absolutely love it. If they could get their hands on that property at a good price. And now, uh, as, as a result of this devastation, I mean, they've put themselves into an excellent position to do so. I was talking, complaining about the insurance companies down here. Apparently, they're doing the same thing to the people of Lahaina, uh, telling them only after their house and their family and all their positions are gone that, oh, w- we just learned that you had some violations on your property. So your insurance policy is null and void. And I don't care how many years you've been paying into it, we're just not going to do do anything about it. So screw you, get out. And, and, and they've got developers calling them already. Uh, Fredo over here has another theory. He says that uh, Maui, in my opinion, is 100% a satanic child sacrifice over 2000 kids, not reporting for schools. The more we learn, the more that opinion is solidified. These people are sick. Certainly, Amanda, it's difficult to look at the way they handled this situation. I mean, closing schools, sending all of those children home, intentionally choosing to not warn them. I mean, they couldn't in some cases because the power was down or people's phones weren't working because the cell towers were out, not sounding the alarms, turning off the water. I mean, I I think that a lot of people are looking at this and saying, like, how could you not see it as intentional?
3: Gross negligence, I mean, from a lawyer's perspective, you know, what's happened. It's like, you know, they talk about people being on island time and, you know, just kind of relaxing and not taking things seriously. I mean, the... The level of gross negligence here is, it, it, it's inhumane. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's so hard to believe and heads need to roll. And I know that the head of the emergency department, um, you know, he's no longer in that, in that position. Uh, and I know that they're now suing the utility company, yep. but this is so far beyond, you know, the, that, I mean, it really, when you look at the governor, I mean, what is he doing? At the end of the day, you know, he is the top administrator in that state. He is the person who is the executive for that state. And when you look at like what he's done, um, certainly what he's tried to do, liaisoning with Washington, I think it's just been a, a failure of leadership on every level. And they have let down the people of Lahaina and these poor children and the bulk of this has affected the children. And when you think of how easy or how preventable this could have been to at least sound the signal, um, it's just it's just inhumane. I think that's the best way to put it, how inhumane this is. I, I, there, there are no words when you think about it. And the fact that images aren't coming out, I think is really, it's an important thing and no one's really talking about it. I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, we're so used to seeing things on social media and that sort of thing. And we really have it. It's been very limited, Mm -hmm. very limited what we've been exposed to. Um, And so it's just a it's just a very unfortunate situation. But again, you know, politically, you know, it's like they tell you, like, vote with your money, you know, show show your uh, disdain for products with not purchasing them if they are political, if they're being, you know, Budweiser, whatever it is. And so with with that, too, it's like, stop voting for Democrats, look Mm -hmm. how they're failing you and i think that's the biggest takeaway for people or
0: at least it should be no i absolutely agree i mean it, it and it gets even worse uh, from what i understand it, rather than like rather than focus on the humanitarian needs what fema and the federal government has done is to fence off the area of lahaina that burned and they're installing a privacy blackout sheet, so that even if you live there and you want to take pictures, you can't. Uh, they they are uh, shutting down drone traffic. They're not allowing drones to uh, to go over. Like I said, they've shut out uh, journalists, uh, certainly uh, independent journalists. They don't want them there. Uh, They are doing everything they can to keep this as quiet as possible. Meanwhile, you know, we still haven't gotten any word on those thousands of kids that are missing. We we don't know even how many people are are dead at the end of the day. I mean, it's going to be probably months before they can give us a firm number because of just how total the devastation was. I mean, it's just it's as horrific as you can possibly imagine. And every day uh, I keep seeing videos, new videos coming out, uh, residents of Lahaina, residents of the area in Maui uh, who are are giving their account of, of what happened and, and what took place that night. You know, I mean, it gets it. it I think that certainly there is uh, an, an, an element of gross negligence in place. But, I mean, there, there has to be some – I mean, people just can't be that stupid, Amanda. I mean, it's difficult to imagine that people are just so devoid of critical thinking skills. I mean, shutting down the only road out of Lahaina, forcing people to remain in their cars as the neighborhood burned around them. I mean – it's really scary for me to imagine not only that the authorities would do that to people. I mean, they sentenced them to die. I mean, there are accounts of families huddled together inside those vehicles, essentially just barbecued. But the fact that people people could be convinced to remain there, you know, I mean, what we went through with the pandemic, I believe— was their kind of litmus test on determining what the people of this nation would be willing to submit to, and obviously many people were willing to submit to some really heinous things you know the the masking the forced inoculations you know the the list goes on. Uh, but i think that's the only way that they could have convinced those people to remain in place when so clearly death was at their back you know i mean it's right there and as you said it's uh, 70% democrat in hawaii you know i mean are are those the people who were willing to sit there in their vehicles as uh, as their their neighborhood burned around them
3: Exactly. You know, Rome is burning and they're just, you know, there and, and following like sheep. Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is part of the problem with what's happened in our country. Really, when you talk about the pandemic, um, you know, this is what people did. They followed uh, Dr. Fauci and they listened to him. And I can tell you from personal experience, my father um, is about 70 he was about 70 at the time and he worked at a hospital in washington dc where they required him because he was older he was one of the first people uh to take the moderna shot and he took that and uh he got shingles Mm -hmm. and he had never had shingles before and um he got shingles and and you know he said i know this is from the (laughs) vaccine that I was given I know and they're like well no you must be stressed he's like I have no stress in my life it's the one time in my life where I actually don't have stress yeah um but you know he he got shingles and apparently there's a huge population of people throughout the world that have gotten shingles as a result of the vaccine yep and so I think you just have people I mean look we're going right back into it they're Mm -hmm. already shutting down schools they're already talking Biden's already talking about another vaccine it's like, if I take a, a tetanus shot or you name the vaccine four times and it does nothing for me, why am I going to take it a fifth time? No doubt. Why am I going to inject that in my body? And that's exactly what people are like, yeah, we got to do that. You go to Washington, D.C., for example, people are still wearing masks.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: it's, just, it's just like, why are you still wearing a mask? I have friends whose children you know, started school during the pandemic, and so- They're now, you know, three years into into being in school. The kids believe that they need to wear a mask because Uh, it's like, for them, it's like not wearing shoes or not wearing like underwear. You know, they're like, no, 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 I have to. And they don't understand that that is not the norm. And so we've just created a society of people that are like robotic. They just listen, they just follow. And it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate because then you think, God, do these people use their brains? Yeah. No, because for the last three years, we've been told not to. We've been told to listen to what the authorities say and do as they say, even though Fauci has admitted that he was wrong. Mm
0: -hmm. But still. The the level of disconnect that I still see out there is disheartening. Um, Salty Zero over here on Rumble says, uh, we live in a time where criminals can do whatever they want. It's a free-for-all, and they are capitalizing on it in every way, no matter who is doing it, i.e. federal government or common thugs on the street. Uh, And then Rand233 says what Salty Zero said. Thank you both for the donations. Uh, And then uh, Fredo says, (laughs) I'm going to put you on the spot, Amanda, so feel free not to answer. Do you think the Obama chef, uh, Tafari Campbell, was murdered? Also, do you think that Putin killed Prigozhin?" Or was it Clowns in America, which would be the CIA? What, what are your thoughts on those two? And like you said, you don't have to answer if you don't want to.
3: <laughs> I, I can see the CIA being involved. I'm not going to touch the Obama stuff because <laughs> I really don't know anything. I, I mean, I I have no idea. Uh, but, you know, the, the CIA has been behind so many different things when you think about it throughout yep. the course of history that it wouldn't surprise me. But I also put the the... Culprit squarely as um, Putin himself. And so, I mean, he said what he does to his nemesis and whoever is his nemesis. Um, He's made it very clear how he would treat them. So it should come as no surprise. He hasn't like been, you know, kind of like, oh no, I have no idea. I mean, he's said how he would treat his uh, opponents. So CIA could be involved, but I think it's more likely Putin.
0: Okay, right on. All right, and uh, uh, we're at that point in the show where we normally take calls. Do you have a few minutes to take a few calls and see if anybody has any questions for you, or do you have to uh, move on?
3: Uh, A few more minutes, yes.
0: Okay, okay. You guys here. I'm going to put the uh, information into the chat, and uh, we'll say we'll go for another ten minutes or so, and because I don't want to keep her any longer than she needs to be. Oh, shoot! Hold on. Let me fix that. And let me put this into the chat for you guys. Here is the meeting ID and the passcode. We're going to put it up here on the screen for everybody at home as well. Uh, there we go. Boom and boom. Okay, there is the meeting ID and passcode. So you can just dial 646-931-3860 on a telephone, and then it'll ask you to enter the meeting ID and the passcode, 825 825- and then the passcode is 800885. Or if you happen to have the Zoom application on your phone, your laptop, your computer, or your tablet, you can just click that link right there, and then you will be into the uh, the call with Amanda and I. All right, so uh, Amanda, let me ask you, as a lawyer... What is your opinion of these uh, most recent charges that have been filed by Fannie Willis against President Trump uh, down in Georgia? A couple of different uh, odd things I've noticed as a layman. Uh, The crimes that she uh, uh, outlines in this document, not only for President Trump, but all the other people, they don't appear to be actual crimes. They appear to be uh, First Amendment issues and uh, and kind of benign behaviors. And she uh, claims that, you know, yeah, they actually are, they are benign behaviors, but when you put them all together, well, that's when it becomes a a racketeering case. Uh, And then on top of that, she also charges outside of her district, outside of Fulton County, even, even in other States. Uh, And then she also charges him with some federal crimes, if I'm not mistaken. So as a lawyer, what's your, uh, your takeaway?
3: Well, look, I think the bottom line is that all these DAs have been funded by George Soros's enterprises, right? He has funded their PACs, he's funded their campaigns, and they have campaigned on, I will take Donald Trump down. Certainly Alvin Bragg did that, um, and, and others across the country. They are not going to stop until they get beyond an indictment, they get a conviction. That is what they believe they have to do. And so all these charges that are brought up on the state level, I think we can largely ignore these. I mean, I I don't think they're going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I really don't. The federal charges are different. Uh, The the state charges, these were, these are hardly state matters. These are all stemming from federal related issues. This was a federal election. And so when you have these DAs that are being overly, uh, O- overly charging in their uh, in their ways with with President Trump it's to make a name for themselves it's to get another notch on the belt yep. um, I think back to when um, Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska was charged and uh, the D- DOJ did prosecute him and ultimately it was reversed and it was actually reversed under the Obama administration mm-hmm. um and you had one of the prosecutors actually commit suicide Because what they do is they're so in the moment, they're so going and trying to do what they believe their biggest donor, their biggest backer, in this case, George Soros, wants them to do, that they lose sight of really what reality is. Sure. And so they throw out all these charges, they they see what sticks. But in the process, they make a name for themselves, they think they're, you know, this is going to put them on a trajectory to do something, you know, more, uh, you know, larger in scope than where they are right now, Um, you know, give them that, you know, bolstering that they're looking for in their career. But at the end of the day, these charges on the state level, I don't believe are going to be what is going to ultimately hurt President Trump it's the federal charges. And I think we need to keep a focus on what's happening on the federal um, side with the Department of Justice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those are are tenuous at best, those charges, but I take those more seriously because I believe that any uh, impartial judge uh, on the state level would say, "You're you're just trying to put these together to make them one big charge and make them uh, what would ultimately take down President Trump so that you can be the heroine here, which I think is what Ms. Fannie Willis is looking for.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, So we've got three people on the line. We're going to bring in our first caller. Caller, you're on the air. and I don't know how we got two people in here, but uh, the caller with the 313 area code will take your question first. Can I get your name? Uh, this is Casey. How you doing, oh, Zach? Casey, good to hear from you, buddy. Uh, thank you for calling in. What's your question for Amanda? Uh, first of all,
1: Amanda, welcome. But uh, are you a lawyer? Then I know you said your doctor was, uh, your father was a doctor. Are you a lawyer then? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I, I do have a law question, real quick. But I did have to correct you guys on the uh, the whole thing with the Maui uh, catastrophe, if you will. Uh, the reason they couldn't put the uh, sirens on was because I believe it was a directed energy weapon that used the blue uh, wavelength and frequency. That's why you saw so many blue vehicles. They had blue things not burned up. But if they had turned on the sirens, uh, emergency sirens, that would have disrupted the wavelength. So uh, other than that, I, I see other tragedies coming down the road with, you know, like I say, directed energy weapons. And I believe that uh, Obama's chef was probably killed the same way Scalia was, was with, uh, and you can probably ask your father about this, necopene you know, injection. of Necopene looks like a, a heart attack, and that was probably one of the ways how he was ever found without his clothes on is a, is another mystery. But, you know, they still haven't figured out the destruction of the Georgia Guidestone. so I don't look much for an investigation under this administration. Um, but just in the sense of uh, your your family being from Iran and you being a lawyer, or whatever, I, I think it would be a great perspective from your father to realize being of that age when the the revolution happened. If they could have done anything to keep the uh, Khomeini from coming to power. You know, what could they have done differently short of uh, assassinating him when he was in France uh, in exile? Because if you think about it, between Carter and Clinton, the two most dangerous uh, radicals with Islam, whatever, were, you know, Khomeini and Osama bin Laden. And they both had a chance to take him out and they didn't. So it'd be interesting to hear from your father's perspective what they could have done to tamp down the sort of insurrectionist, if you will, the original insurrectionist, and kept the yeah. Iranians in, in coordination with American values and openness as opposed to going totally religious.
0: Well, uh,
3: Amanda, well, so I'll give you,
1: yeah, go ahead,
0: go ahead.
3: I, I'll give you my perspective on it. So you had uh, Carter who had very much aligned himself with the Shah Um, At the time, the Shah was very unpopular in Iran because there was a movement afoot to create more of a middle class. Uh, The Shah was very opulent. And uh, a lot of people in Iran did not appreciate that about him. He was very Western. They also did not appreciate that about him, um, being that there were a lot of Muslims in that country. And so um, when the Carter administration and Cyrus Vance, who was the secretary of state at the time, saw what was happening in Iran, uh, Carter and his wife, President Carter and his wife, Rosalind, had spent New Year's in Tehran, January 1st, 1978. And so that following 12 months, really, uh, Iran had gone through a very tumultuous time, a lot of protests in the street, a lot of violence. And so Cyrus Vance basically says, you know, we've got to get this guy out of here. You're running for reelection, President Carter, and you don't want to be tethered to this guy. Things are going down in this country. And he was right. So what they did was they brought, they resurrected the career of the Ayatollah. (laughs) Um, A lot of people, a lot of conspiracy theorists say, well, they were doing that to protect the price of oil because Shah was so... Um, you know, positive on OPEC, he was such a strong leader in OPEC that he was trying to keep the prices high. And in a lot of ways, if you study the shot, he was a lot like Donald Trump, he kind of didn't care what people thought about him. He just did what he did. Um, Trump was different because he had to get reelected. The the king of the country doesn't have to get (laughs) reelected. So anyway, basically, he was very arrogant, just, you know, kept the price of oil high. Of course, we went through major problems in the Western world with gas prices being high, if you remember from the 70s. Um, And so basically what happened ultimately was that America really led the effort in getting Khomeini there. And what Khomeini promised them was, look, I'm I'm here to be the peaceful guy. I'm just the religious happy warrior. Give me my country. Let me be religious. And you guys can do what you want to do. And what happened in February 1st, to November 4th, 1979. What happened that day? He took the hostages. Mm-hmm. He took the hostages for 444 days. And he said, You're never gonna be able to mess with me. I can do whatever I want. And he pulled the wool over the eyes of the American leadership who thought, Okay, mm-hmm. well, now we got a wrong. We can take care of everything. You know, we got rid of that jackass, you know, the shot. And so a lot of people believe that, um, Khomeini coming into power was for America to have more of a hold on Iran. And instead, they got just the opposite. You know, they created really a landmine in that part of the world. And instead of having an ally, which they had in the Shah, they created a complete enemy. Um, And then, of course, you know, Iran and Iraq went to war for eight years after that. And of course, America supported who? saddam hussein yes <laughs> he supported saddam against iran so like our foreign policy is ridiculous i mean yeah. we might have the worst foreign policy record of any country in the world um yes. we are always on the losing side and we're always picking losers so that's my theory um so i'll leave it at that
0: <laughs> I, I love it uh, thank you so much for that amanda listen casey we've got to take the next caller buddy so i appreciate you calling in. thank you very very much God bless
1: you, and uh, have a wonderful, uh, even Labor Day weekend, because I probably won't be able to call in. We'll, we'll
0: all have some fun, I hope. Right on. Yeah. God, uh, bless, God you. bless you as well, brother. We'll mm-hmm. talk to you soon. All right, next caller, uh, 619. Go ahead with your question for Amanda.
2: Hey, Zach, how are you? The Vortex guy out here in California from hey, Getter.
0: How you doing? Good to hear from you, buddy.
2: Good to hear you. Amanda, hats off, and that's quite a story uh, with your father, 25 years. Uh, Running around when all that uh, was coming down in Iran, and the the, the 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 terrible thought of having to keep a gun with you is just uh, bone chilling but how you how do you see uh, the, the the plight over for the citizens not just the entire country and the government but the citizens that are having to endure all this uh, proxy war that we are uh, invoking over in Ukraine uh, and, um, you know, the likes of uh, the stories that we're being told, when we are coming to find out in reality, those stories are nothing but stories. And, um, you know, what's going on in the West, the neo-Nazis, the 46 bioweapon labs, the innocent speaking Russians in the East that want nothing more than to send their kids to school and speak their Russian native language. Uh, The persecution over there for our leaders to say, we're defending any, excuse me, any kind of democracy uh, over there seems to me to be a total lie. Do you see through that or do you agree with any of that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think this is, you know, it's a challenging thing to see that we are focusing our resources on, another country and another country's borders. Uh, we have so many issues here at home. When you think of homeless vets, sleeping under bridges, um, you know, all the the fight of Americans right now that are struggling. Um, and then you look at our borders, for example, that are so porous right now that people are just coming through our country. Um, they are creating their anchor babies here where people are coming here just to have a baby so that they don't have to leave. We have a lot of problems here at home that we're not addressing. And instead, everything is seems to be a focus on Zelensky and Ukraine and what they're doing. And I just don't ever think that that's something that we should be focused on. We are not the police power for the rest of the world. Um, I know that we like to think we are. We certainly have been, but that is not our role in the world. Um, going back to and, your question about Iran, I would just say that Um, The women of Iran have really proven how resilient and how uh, powerful they are in the uh, hardest, most difficult and challenging place where women are treated like second class citizens. Um, I went back to Iran once uh, after we fled and I was 21 years old. And just to see how difficult it is to be a woman there and how you are treated differently and how they will so easily arrest you for no reason. Um, And you saw um, Massa Amini, what she did, where they literally, she was protesting. She's protesting, why are you making us wear these headscarves? We don't want to wear the hijab anymore. And you know they take her in, they beat her brains, and then they say she had a heart attack. And they have done this over and over and over again to young women in Iran who just merely want to express their voice. Um, but it has created an international um, you know, crisis, cause for uh, paying attention to what's happening in Iran um, and looking at it as a humanitarian issue uh, that that has largely been ignored. People have just ignored that part of the world and what's happening in Iran. Um, but it's good to see. And uh, unlike other places, you actually they actually do get the communication out. You actually did see video. Mm-hmm. You actually did see what was happening in the streets of Tehran. So that was very uh, good to see. Um, it's just a very unfortunate situation for that country. Um, and I hope it changes. I hope that, I, I should say, I wish that President Obama, when he was in office, when the Green Movement happened, the Green Revolution happened, he did nothing. He never supported the people of Iran. And your caller mentioned the people of Iran. Yes, look at the people, not the people that are in politics, not the people that are in leadership, because that's actually who Barack Obama supported, not the people of Iran, but the leadership of Iran. He tried to make friends with people who are clear adversaries, and he had the opportunity, to potentially free the people of Iran and never did that. So I always look back at President Obama for making a huge mistake when it came to Iran. Again, we're always wrong on foreign policy issues.
0: Uh, well, Vortex Guy, to yeah. your point of, about uh, uh, your your statements on on Ukraine, what's interesting is I see a lot of parallels between the situation in Iran and the situation in Ukraine. You know, the CIA overthrew a uh, democratically uh, elected uh, uh, leader of Iran in Mossadegh. They installed the Shah, right. and, and then they basically created the Ayatollahs. Uh, and then we have uh, the same situation in Ukraine under the Obama administration. Victoria Newland oversaw the overthrow of a democratically elected government uh, with the CIA-sponsored Maidan revolution. Uh, and then they also created the situation that we see in the East with the breakaway republics because uh, those people are ethnically Russian. And uh, the uh, overnight, this new U.S.-installed government in Ukraine outlawed the Russian language and tell these people that they they can't, Live with their culture. I mean, it would be as if I don't know. Yeah, they, they if the if a democratic government in America came down to Florida and told uh, parrotheads in Key West that they could no longer wear Hawaiian shirts uh, or, uh, or 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 lounge around outside uh, in the keys. You know, same. Yeah, I make light of it, but I mean, it's basically the same type of thing. So I, I see a lot of similarities with the situations there. You're you're right. American foreign policy has been spectacularly bad throughout the years, and we seem to. I don't know, uh, create these uh, situations that uh, require military intervention or humanitarian intervention. And uh, in that respect, I, I see it as, again, intentional. I mean, this is a this is a huge industry. Uh, the non-governmental organization industry, George Soros, is rich for a reason uh, because there is just massive levels of suffering and need for these organizations to come in. Quite often, it also provides uh, an entry for intelligence agencies to come in and have their way and do whatever it is that they want to do as well. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. Listen, Vortex guy, we got to uh, cut it short there. Uh, because we've got to let Amanda go, but I sincerely appreciate your call and thank you for your comments.
2: Likewise, Zach, you take care of yourself down there.
0: All right, brother, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, and then uh, just a, a couple of quick thank yous and then we'll go ahead and let you go. I need to say thank you. To Fredo, who said uh, DeSantis is now saying that the Jackson shooter was a white supreme pizza, racially motivated shooting. Uh, I guess they don't like black and white people coming together with that Trump mugshot, screams Fed. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that uh, apparently this is a white supremacist. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I feel like there is this effort to uh, create this divide between people. So I'm, I'm not educated on exactly what happened at all. All I know is that people are dead. It's a tragedy. And uh, obviously nobody likes that. Uh, Tibster says, is Vivek Ramaswamy the latest hopeful for the role of Antichrist. I don't know about that one, but I, uh, I did see today that uh, they've, che- they've uh, uh, dug up Vivek Ramaswamy's voting record, and apparently he's not even a registered Republican, or he hasn't voted Republican. I'm not sure. He is a very eloquent speaker, though, and the last time we had a very eloquent speaker running for president, that didn't turn out so well for America. So, Amanda, I'd like to give you the last word. Uh, uh, any final thoughts for the audience or uh, anything you'd like people to take away from our conversation tonight?
3: No, I just uh, appreciate having uh, the opportunity to share a little bit about me and share a little bit on uh, the foreign policy of Iran. We don't always talk about it. unless It's a hot topic in the news. And so um, it's nice when people have an interest uh, because of uh, my background, uh, wanting to get a a perspective that's a little bit different than maybe what they read in the news. So certainly appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's just uh, an interesting year, I think, with uh, what we're going to face in the next 12 months is Republicans. And um, it's going to be a bumpy ride, I think. But, you know, all, all signs point to, you know, people always ask me, you, you live in Florida. What do people think? And it's really it's really just comes down to President Trump being um, having been the president. A lot of Republicans are very uh hopeful that, that he'll be back. Um we have some great a great slate of candidates though. Um I had not heard that Vivek is not even a registered Republican, yeah. but I did love seeing that you know there's um you know Tim Scott, there was Nikki Haley, there was Vivek, there was there are so many competent people, so much more capable than Joe Biden. We are so lucky to have the bench that we have to draw from. Um, You know, if things hold. You know, President Trump is likely going to be the nominee again. But you you do see a large swath of people that are very deserving of that job. Certainly we would be elated to have any one of them as vice president, I think. And um, it's just a really good time that Republicans have so many good qualified people um, standing up there to uh, make America better certainly better than the way joe biden has made it for us over the last three years
0: absolutely and i you know, i really thought vivek cleaned up uh at the uh, at the republican debate the other day and so you know I I, so too. yeah I, so i'm anxious to see how things pan out you know i i don't know i may have some more information for you guys regarding vivek here in the very near future but amanda thank you so much for being here you want to give everybody your social media one more time
3: Sure. It's uh, Twitter at Amanda Mackey, uh, Instagram at Amanda Mackey, and Facebook, Amanda Mackey for Congress, and my website, amandamackey.com.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you for being here, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. You're always welcome back.
3: Thank you so much. All Have right. a good night.
0: You too. We'll see you. Okay, uh, got a couple of more final thank yous over here on pilled.net. Thank you to Sean, De- Sean Joe, and Insight Gino. Sean Joe dropped a cookie. Insight Gino dropped a can. Uh, Fredo says hit that thumbs up on your way out. Thank you for your time, Amanda. Uh, yes, if you guys wouldn't mind, please do me a favor: hit that like button as you're leaving the show. I think that's uh, that's it for us tonight. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us. Thank you very much to everybody who called in. Thank you for the thought provoking questions and commentary from the chat. You guys are great. I don't see anything over there on Getter. So if you're there- and you're talking getter chat has been a little bit twitchy recently and you know what i miss you used to have a chat on uh, on twitter when you would go live on twitter when it was periscope you, you could have uh people talking and stuff and so i think that's one of the reasons that people don't have any like reason to watch over on twitter i don't even know how many people are over there i don't know either way i appreciate you guys thank you very much for your support i maybe i should check to make sure that there's nothing happening over here on Cash App or on Ko-Fi. And yes, there is nothing. All right. I want to say thank you to everybody one more time. And happy birthday to my Uncle Paul. I don't know if you're out there watching, but happy birthday to you. Much love. Good luck. God bless. We will see you all Monday. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, did I miss a rant from Sterling Cannabis? Wish you would have seen my rant. Hold on, Sterling. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let this pass by, buddy. Hold on. Let me scroll back. Mm, doo-doo-doo. Okay. Where is it? Okay. Okay, so we are back to Salty Zero. I definitely remember that one. Before that one, there wasn't there one from Fredo. Yep yep and then uh another one from Fredo. we got that one down um, gosh sterling, this was it at the beginning of the show I'm not even I don't even see it. oh my God, it was the last it was the very first thing that that was chatted. Sterling Cannabis says, Zach, uh, have you heard Oliver Anthony, I've Got to Get Sober? Yes, I uh, definitely have heard Oliver Anthony's song, Got to Get Sober, and I think it's a great song. Uh, I really do appreciate his music. I don't care what he uh, who he votes for. I, I think that, again, he's speaking fundamental, universal truths to all people who are not being represented by Democrats and Republicans. And then Salty Zero says, Zach, it's really hard to catch the show Monday to Thursday with a new time, but Friday and Saturday works. Uh, here's to make up for the week I missed. Awesome. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you once again uh, to everybody who supported the show tonight. I sincerely appreciate it. I am going to pass out those gold pills next. And this time I will really hopefully see you Monday.